The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only John's Living the Dream podcast. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual as uh, the week is here. The CFL regular season, I can't believe it. It feels like it snuck up on us again, is here. <laughs> the regular season opens this week. Um, we're recording on a Tuesday. The writers don't play till Sunday, so a number of things could change between now and the time when they actually hit the field, but... Uh, this is kind of what we're going with for now. We've got a few things to talk about in this episode. Uh, we are, of course, going to talk about the last preseason game. A rare double victorious preseason for the Riders as they beat uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers ba- backups pretty handily. And uh, Thank you for adding backups. Thank yep. you very much, Joel. I appreciate that. And uh, looked pretty good in the process. But uh, they win's a win. You can only beat who's in front of you, and they did it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of how Trevor Harris looked, the quarterback situation, the running back situation, the offense as a whole. And, of course, we are going to look ahead to uh, the regular season as well as uh, some lines are out, if you're uh, the gambling type like I know John is, on uh, win lines and that sort of thing. Um, but an interesting piece of news made its way into my feed this week. It did. One that I believe um, excited the co-host of this average program. And that Six would be... to midnight is how much it excited mm-hmm. me. Of course, be Mr. One John Fraser. As I guess, uh, Apple has a new, I believe, VR type thing coming out. And um, Microsoft has decided that basically the Office suite, or at least most of it, including Excel, will be available on said product. See, I'm very excited if nobody knows or has listened to the other episodes, uh, especially my fascination the Excel World Championship. Uh, in my real job, I use Excel basically every single day quite a bit. So I've become a bit of an Excel nerd. Uh, I also use it for my fake job when I am on the uh, internets talking about the Saskatchewan Rush. So, love yeah, not not this ex- fake job. There's no Excel in this no, one. No, no, there is. Uh, <laughs> in fairness, I think you were surprised what I said to you I, when I went, hey, where'd the stats page go last year? And you're like, you have to request a login. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm actually doing stuff. But no, the ability to just sit there. And, like, I just picture myself with, like, of course, they're big, silly, like, VR-looking goggles that I Mm -hmm. guess are probably, like, augmented reality. I'm guessing you could probably see stuff. But, like, I feel like I'd need, like, the Nintendo Power Glove. Yeah. So I could, like, grab the cells and then, like, have my formulas built into the Power Glove pads on my arm and just, boom, new credit app form. Boom, new stats calculating form. Boom, history of the Saskatchewan Rush and just do that in the comfort and privacy of my own home. Uh, most people would think with the kind of excitement and heart rate I would have going on that I was watching, you know, <laughs> in the corner. But no, the I ballet. just... The, the, the ballet. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> How have I never heard that one before? I don't know. It's usually what is like the code for like the strip club, isn't it? So I just kind of applied oh, yes. it to a more okay. modern setting. Okay, I think uh, I think it works. We're yeah. going to roll with it. So uh, I will not yeah. be watching the ballet. You'll just see my pure joy and excitement when I can auto-sum 
from the anywhere I want wearing these goofy goggles. So uh, if anybody wants to, uh, again, we are not like other CFL podcasts. We will not ask you for money. Um, but uh, if you do want to buy me a $2,500 headset, I mean, I'm not going to say no. That's how much they cost. I didn't even look into it. I think it was 2500 My God. Apple VR. Uh, Apple Vision Pro cost. Uh, a thirty five hundred US. Jeez, Louise. And yeah, they kind of look like like I was out and we got a tiny little pool in the backyard this year. Um, and they kind of look like the big goofy swimming goggles that Max was wearing. Mm. So I can't wait. You know that somebody like Kanye is just gonna wear these every day. Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. They're just gonna walk around. Yeah, no. Uh, thirty. Yeah, th- no. Sorry, thirty five hundred. Thirty-four ninety-nine. So, goodness gracious. Plus shipping, plus exchange, plus yeah, yeah. So I guess if somebody is going to give me twenty-five hundred, we're happy to live on a prayer. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a lot of money just to do spreadsheets in probably a less efficient fashion. I'm guessing. Right, but it, but it's like you can kind of see through it. So like, okay, my question. Mm-hmm. Can people, like, see the reflection of what you're seeing? So if you are um, going to the ballet, are they going to be able to see, like, the, re- the reflection of what you got going on? Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know for sure. Like, I'm pretty sure most of these VR things, like, they don't see it in the goggles, but there are ways to, like, connect it to television so people can watch what you're doing, I think. Ugh. Does that mean they see my browser history? I mean, you don't have to do that, but you can, I believe. So. Fair. And and I mean, in fairness, my browser history goes like obscure meme, obscure meme, obscure meme, football, 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 the occasional trip to the ballet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the age we live in, the ballet right in your pockets. <laughs> So that's not the only thing John is, of course, excited about this week. Yep. Uh, football is finally returning CFL football, of course. Uh, the action starts this week uh, to the point where even we even saw promotion for the CFL on CBS Sports Network on the PGA Tour this week. which was <laughs> The dulcet tones of Jim Nance. Mm-hmm. And uh, a side note, whoever would have thought the PGA Tour would have sold out? That yeah. floored me this morning when I saw that. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't mm-hmm. want to get into it. We no. are barely a football podcast as it is, but like, holy shit, that floored me today. Yeah, that was but, that was something. But but hearing Jim Nance talk CFL, mm-hmm. even if I he was to... like forced to do it, but that's fine. <laughs> but just hearing Jim Nance say it, there's just something right in the world, like. Especially in that, like, calm, you're hungover on a Sunday watching golf voice that he has. That's oh, magical. Yep, Calgary, BC on uh, Thursday to kick off the week. And uh, should be an interesting week, an interesting season ahead in the CFL. Uh, before we get into our sort of little season preview, John, uh, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? I went so- with something I found interesting on the shelves. And oh. uh, I'm going to give you one guess. And if you guessed it right, I'll transfer you five bucks right now. Something you found interesting on the shelves. Yes, for the beer tonight. Pile of Bones, Fruit Loop Sour. Ah, there you go. Ding, ding, no. ding. I, I only went bucks. with that because at work I um, turned an entire flat into singles for the front fid- fridge. Ooh. And they sold out in less than a day. 
So <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I I got the four pack because now yeah. I've just learned with anything from Pile of Bones, just buy the four pack, you're gonna like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fruit Loop Sour, I know people were like, oh, is it gonna taste like Fruit Loops? No, it's just like it's hibiscus and orange and yep. lime and oh my god, it is summer in a can. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really really good, very tart, obviously, but. I like how the flavors, they all blend together, kind of like an old bowl of Fruit Loops would. And, yeah, uh, yeah this um, this might be in the, like, we're talking top five beer territory here, Gas. It's, it's, it's got potential, for sure. It's got yeah. a fun story, too. Okay, do you, do you know the tale? I do know the tale. Um, so what happened, yes, of course. Um, so what happened was, uh, one of the previous times they were making a batch of the Hibiscus Lime Goza. Yep. Uh, the wrong juice was added to the tank, which was the orange juice. Oh, okay. And so they were like, uh-oh. And then they tried it and was like, oh, this is actually really good. So I think it stayed, the first time they did it, I think it stayed like sort of as a small batch thing yeah. only at the brewery. Um, and then eventually this year, because it was so dang good when they tried it by mistake, uh, they actually, you know, brewed the thing for real. And and see, that makes sense because I always found the hibiscus lime good, mm-hmm. but not great. Um, this orange takes it to like great. Like this is like this is a sitting in the sun, uh, early morning on a golf course. Like this is just a this is a summer beer. Like I don't know if I could ever have it in the winter because it would make me sad because it would make me think of summer. But no, it was. Uh, I was gonna try to do a live reaction uh, while we were on air, but mm-hmm. uh, no. Uh, it's it's yeah. Uh, I think this might have found its way into my top five beers of all time uh, after one. So uh, and of course also because I don't work tomorrow, uh, double fisting with some lucky bastard vodka and pink lemonade. Fair enough, and I can tell you, um, with the Lucky Bastard Distillers, of course, or other fine sponsors, uh, 12 packs Lucky Bastard Iced Tea coming oh. very soon. Oh. Very soon. It is a great time there to may be have a functioning been, alcoholic in the yes, sun. Yes, there may have been cases that were being made at the distillery today. So. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, for me, I grabbed a four-pack over the weekend, and I have one left today. Of uh, the Rebellion Golden Crush, just sort of uh, a lighter version, basically, of the Double Hazy or the Hazy IPA. Um, Sort of very, very citrusy, very hazy, very delicious, but uh, easy drinking. I will admit, um, on Monday night, I mowed the lawn uh, when Jenny was out at a photo shoot. And I had two beers in my fridge, and it was the Golden Crush, and there's a Blackbridge Milk Stout left. (laughs) I, I, I was... Tempted to drink the Golden Crush, and then I was like, do I really want to drink Milk Stout tomorrow night for the podcast? I was like, well, no, not really. And I was like, well, well, then I don't really want to drink Milk Stout right now either. (laughs) So I just settled on pulling out the soda stream and making some soda water with lemon, and that was good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, the thought of having a Milk Stout after mowing the lawn, like. In heat mornings where it's like 35 degrees, yeah. Yeah, just a nice stout in your mouth. So I, I decided to go with the uh, sparkling water and lemon juice instead and save the golden crush for tonight because I was like, yeah, I don't think I want the milk stout tomorrow night either. It's just it's just too hot right now. No, no, that would that would that would be and and I think too I think our listeners would also think that maybe you were dead inside if you did mm. that because not I'm not bashing the milk stout. I'm no, no. not a stout guy, but I've heard lots of great things. Um but yeah, just thinking of a stout in plus like 20 plus weather is 
Sometimes yeah. it's okay. Like if I'm inside all day and I haven't stepped outside all day and I'm just downstairs and like in the nice air conditioned area, I could be like, yeah, I could probably drink this right now and be okay. But right. yeah, if I'm outside and it's a little warmer upstairs where I record than it is downstairs. So, I mean, that's just, that's just the way that goes. That, that's fair. Now, before you have some sort of sexy transition, I need to grab my second Fruit Loop Sour. Okay. Hang on. It's very compelling podcasting right now as we wait. Because John has, of course, moved his office all the way to the other side of his basement, so it takes longer for him to get a beer. So I'm just trying to kind of talk through this right now because, frankly, I don't really want to edit it out later. I heard all him right, get back to the desk. So Fantastic. I'm back. Yes. Yes. All right. You didn't You didn't hear me narrate through that entire thing to make sure <laughs> that I don't have to edit. <laughs> oh, no. I figured, I, I figured that's why I gave you the notice rather than just disappearing because I'm like, 100%, you'll just say something and away we go. So Yes, I was explaining that because you moved your office to the other side of the basement, you have to, like, go all the way across to get a beer now, and now I was just filling time so I didn't have to edit. Uh, that's that's also fair. Mm. Uh, I also ran fast enough. I'm a little winded. Mm, fair enough. That's 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 no bueno. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was bueno, of course, was um, the Riders win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and their backups on Friday night. Yes, yes Friday night in Winnipeg. Um, my biggest takeaway from the game was basically the state of the offense. Um, yes, of course, they didn't really play any of the Bombers' top guys, and you always have to take that into consideration. So I'm not, I'm not, what I'm about to say doesn't mean I think they're necessarily fixed and that it's going to be, you know, all, you know, all gas for the offense this year, and it's going to be something that will be really good by the time we say the season is over. But you, you notice a difference in the offense this year compared to the last couple of years. Um, it just, it just feels professional. Yes. If you know what I mean? Like it's I'm not going to say it's explosive. I'm not going to say it's going to be a top 3 offense in the league or anything like that just yet, but it is most definitely a professional offense. It it doesn't look like one of my favorite sayings, and I don't know if this is offside and you can edit it if it is. One of my favorite sayings is it's like a monkey trying to fuck a coconut. Where all the efforts there, it's just it's just not happening, right? Coconuts rolling around, monkeys giving all the effort and it just doesn't look good. The effort was there last year. We can't no. say that these guys didn't try. No, you know, we're they, not those people who are going to sit here and say that profession, professional athletes gave up and stopped trying. Right. So we're not the play-by-play voice of the team. That's not us. Um, we are. De- we, we know that these guys are. Prof- I mean, if these guys can play through what they went through in that in, in the poop game, the flu game, you know these guys are giving it. We're not here to judge their effort, but you're right. It's efficient. And again, one of my favorite barometers is, of course, my workplace, right? We all have water cooler talk. So the number one comment that was made separately to me by three different people I work with was, we have a quarterback now. Mm-hmm. And again, I, 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 my coworkers are, they're people that know football, that watch a lot of football, have a great conversation about football, right? And we all yeah. remark the same kind of things that you watch. Trevor Harris, who, thanks to Pro Football Focus, I didn't realize is basically the league's all-time most accurate passer. Yeah. Um, so you've got a guy like that that knows when to step up in the pocket, you know, so rather than taking all this chaotic, trying to get that coconut energy, he's able to just channel that into being efficient, mm-hmm. right? Trevor Harris knows where to go. Trevor Harris knows when to step up in the pocket, which is not something I think Cody Fajardo ever really did, right? No. You know, Cody was heart and soul, wear his, wear his heart in his sleeve until you say something nasty about him, but... 
he was the kind of guy that just like energy. It seemed like he wasted energy. And you're right. It's it was against the Bombers backups. Um, but even in the other preseason win with basically yeah. all the pieces except for Harris there, it had a similar vibe. Right. Like uh, we're not expecting them to set scoring records to light no. the world on fire. But it's just nice to see that. It's not chaos with every single play. There, there yeah. seems to be a goal, and 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 the other thing too, the other takeaway on top of the offense. And sorry if you were going to get to this in a moment, but mm-hmm. did I did I read right? Because I don't have the stats up because you know unprepared. Did I read your article right? They had one penalty. Yes, definitely so. <clears throat> and and it was like hold or procedure or something. Like it was it, it wasn't like they had one UR that they seemed yeah, to always they penalized once for six yards. Like that to me is the most like that to me is impressive. Yep. For this squad that has not been able to do that anytime under Craig Dickinson. Yeah. And or so yeah, they they're flagged once for six yards. Um they only gave up three sacks in the entire preseason. Another thing that was talked about a lot. Right. Last year, obviously, for obvious reasons. So I mean those all the barometers hit in that game. Yes. Um you know, I thought it was interesting and funny that Trevor Harris went four for four for seventy-two yards in one drive, and then got yanked, and was still the game's leading passer at halftime. <laughs> you texted me that, and I, because I was out mowing my lawn on, uh, and that's not a euphemism. Like that's no, that's that yeah, yeah. the ballet's the euphemism. The the, the mowing the lawn's actually something that I I again I've discussed how it's, I like doing that on game days, but. If all I could think of when you sent me that text that Harris was out after seventy-two yards in one drive. Was the last scene of Babe where he looks and he goes, "It's good enough, pig. Mm-hmm. It's good enough." Yeah, and and one thing I do actually want to take from that and give Craig Dickinson some credit for, um, in his interview with John Lou at half, uh, Harris did say he wanted to keep going, yes. and he tried to plead with Craig Dickinson to keep going, and Dickinson said, "No, we see right. we've seen enough. Let's let these other guys play." And granted, this is a very small thing. And this is very much a thing that is very easy to say no to, putting your, you know, no need to put that guy, your guy, back out in that situation in a preseason game to risk anything when you literally just saw everything you need to see from the guy in one drive. Right. So it's very easy to say no in this spot, but that was still, to me, at least a small moment of, okay, maybe Craig Dickinson has a little more command of the situation this year compared to last year. Yes, I would absolutely agree that older Craig or younger Craig, pardon me, would definitely probably have let him come out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what led to the the the, the um, discipline issues. But I like and I mean, you and I talked about it that we know Craig Dickinson has a very short lease these first four games. Yes. I mean, you've basically got his replacement awaiting uh, on the staff right in Bolduc. Um he is ready to step in, and I think just having that more mature staff, and again, neither of us are Jason Moss guys, neither of us were Jason Moss guys when they hired him. Um, it's just, it just, everything seems more professional, right? It's It's mm-hmm. gone a little less Cleveland Browns, a little, it's a little less Belichick with the Browns, a little more Belichick with the Pats. Again, not saying that they're going to be the New England Patriots. <laughs> let's not, let's not get that hot take out there, but... It's just the way the team has carried themselves from day one of camp through through to now. Yeah. So, right? I mean, n- none of this necessarily means that they are going to be, you know, first in the West and that a great cup is a slam dunk this year. But they're in a, they, I believe they're going to be in a situation where they are competing all they 
that they should be in the mix this year and that if something doesn't happen, it's because A, they just didn't have the horses or B, something's gone horrifically wrong. Injur- injuries happen. Yeah. I mean, too, you know, you can lose your confidence. Let, I mean, That's this I mean. team... That's right. what I mean. Like, like something stupid happens early that you can't predict, and it's like, well, fuck. Right. And and to me, they've got a real tough start to their schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they're they're going to like this is not you're not getting a fluff game. You're not seeing an Alouettes team that we all know is going to be bad. You're not seeing an Ottawa team that we hope is better because we both love that coaching staff. You're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, Edmonton and Winnipeg in your first two weeks. Right, like you, you're going to have to hit the ground running, and you're probably going to taste your own blood a little bit in one of those games. Yeah, and but at the same time, sometimes that's the start you need. Like I think right. if you look at it, okay, you're going up against probably a hungry Edmonton team, the one that wants to end this streak at home. Yes, and then of course you're facing the two, the three-time West Division champions. So there's there's no there's no you know there's no tiptoeing into the season. You're not jumping no. into the shallow. You're not walking in the shallow end of the season, which sometimes is can be you know can set you back because you're not ready and things go bad. But at the same time, you know this is not easy. So maybe that helps because historically, we've seen the Riders as one of those teams that sometimes you know messes the bed against poor teams. Yeah, that comes to play against the big boys and maybe. Maybe not to say that Edmonton's a big boy, but there's circumstances surrounding that game are a little different. Maybe, maybe that's the start they need to kind of get their their toes wet this year. I'm not expecting them to be two and zero, maybe, but they at least look like a competent team that you can believe in. Well, absolutely, and we'll get into it more as we talk season preview. But I would respectfully disagree. I think Edmonton is a big boy this year. Eh, I don't know if they're quite at that level yet, but I I mean, compared to where the Riders were last year, maybe, like. Like, and, and again, it's hyperbole, but I, I don't want to say, like, I'm not coming out and saying, oh, it's must win against Edmonton, but it's must show up. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, if you if you get the doors blown off by a team that basically hasn't won at home since before, when was their last home win? Before COVID. Right. I'm just trying to remember if it was before two of my kids or just Maya, but like, it's been that long since they've won at home. I've had at least mm-hmm. one, maybe two children. So, um, I do think it's I, 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 but I'm with you. Like I think last year, they started hot and got ahead of themselves mm-hmm. and got overconfident. And then the and then like really and went up the to his credit, like Craig Dickinson said, he put a lot of emphasis on the hot start, thinking that mattered. Right. And based on what he said in his interview with Justin Dunk at the winter meetings, I believe it was. Um, I get the feeling that Dickinson lo- kind of learned some mistake, some stuff from that last year. Yes. And he's become. He's come to the dark side, or at least what I would like to call it at this point, I guess, in, you know, sort of process over results. And I think it's especially in the CFL where it's a long 18-game season, six of nine teams make the playoffs. You don't need to get on a ridiculous streak to start the season. It's about coming along and being good at the right time. Yes. Well, and and you're exactly right. You know, you're only cutting three teams at the end of a playoff run, and I... And you don't want to start you too You can bury yourself early, but as long as you hang around, you always have a chance in this league. Right, but I mean, we've seen teams start 0-4, 5 make the playoffs, right? Like, that's that's the thing with this league. Let's face it, the next yep. six weeks, although it's games that mean something, or past training camp are still largely figuring it out. I mean, anybody that's, that's sitting here criticizing the Riders for keeping four quarterbacks and stuff does not realize, like, like, in the CFL, unless you're one of about 20, maybe 30 guys on that roster, you're still auditioning for your job late into the season. Yeah. 
Like, unless you're a bona fide, like, starter that they know that they're paying you. And even at that, those guys can can be let go if they're underperforming. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's you're you're exactly right, Joel. You have to be playing right at the right time. And whether or not, you know, that leads to you hosting a home playoff game or not, it's about figuring out the pieces and moving forward. And it's interesting you brought up. So the four quarterbacks, um, there was a lot of conversation sort of about what was going to happen behind Trevor Harris coming into last week's game and heading into this week's. And, I mean, other than, of course, Trevor Harris is the undisputed starter. Yes. And it appears, we'll see this week, I guess, but it appears that they have some kind of running short yardage package for Shea Patterson because they clearly busted that out in that game. That was something that, very clearly suggests that guy is going to be used and on the roster in some form or another. Right. But between Mason Fine and Jason and, you know, and and Jake Dolagala, we have no answers yet. No. Because they kept all of them. And on the outside, sure, you know, it looks a little weird. Naturally, I I assume they may have tried to put one of them on the practice roster. Obviously, at this point in both of their careers, whoever it was said no which is right. fine, their prerogative. But they weren't willing to cut them either at this point, which is also fine because coming into this year still, the CFL requires every team to, for some reason, scratch one player from the gay, from the depth chart before every game, which I <laughs> don't so understand. In the, you know, It's not like a 65-man roster. This is a very small roster. There's no reason yes. that you have to... It used to be two scratches, which is even dumber. Yeah. But the fact that they still have to scratch two someone... Two scratches every, on a smaller roster, too. Yeah. So the fact that they still have to scratch one person is stupid, but anyway. Um, so what the Riders have done is, okay, we're keeping all four quarterbacks. And by all accounts, it's going to make guessing who that scratch is going to be pretty easy because it's probably going to be one of Mason Fine or Jake Delagala. Right. And I don't hate it, to be completely honest with you. I think no. both guys have earned the chance to be professional quarterbacks this year. They both played... You know, they play both played very well against BC. They were both pretty good against Winnipeg. And I think realistically, you know, this is a league where we've seen rashes of injuries to quarterbacks in any given year. Oh, yes. So if something does happen to Trevor Harris and one of these two guys becomes your starting quarterback, you now know that you also have a somewhat competent backup behind them as well now, rather than trying to find some guy on the street to add to your roster. Right, and everybody that they released, it's not like they released somebody that you go, oh my god, they let that guy go and kept four quarterbacks. Like, yeah. there was no surprises. Like, it's not like you, It's again, it's not like you had a Corey Sheets that was tearing it up. It's not like you had a guy that you went, oh my god, they, they need to keep this guy. Yeah, you like, know, they, they, To me, the weirdest cut was Keith Corbin III, and I was still like, he's a guy that I think has potential and could have stuck around on the roster, but there clearly wasn't room in their eyes, so I'm like, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Right, so you have one guy who had a decent preseason, so rather than that, you keep the guys, you keep four guys at the most valuable position, I would argue, in professional sports outside of maybe NHL goalie. So, and and you're right, neither of them played themselves off the roster. They get to evaluate them in practice every day, and you know that quarterback room is going to have a little bit of friendly or non-friendly competition to it. Mm-hmm. Those guys want to play. Those guys want to show what they can do. They want to be professional. You know, they want to show up. They want to be in meetings. They want to learn from Trevor Harris. And let's face it, at the end of the day, Trevor Harris is also 37 years old. Yes. Right? 
I know he's he's on the TB12 method. There we go with another Pats comparison. But <laughs> he, he's one of these guys that looks like he could play a while, but yeah. he's also a guy that, let's say they have some success, or let's say he gets banged up with a concussion at the end of the year and says, you know what? I'm done. He could also do that, right? Like, And all of a sudden, you're left holding the bag with one quarterback, not two. So uh, I, I do like them bringing in a like the rushing package that, mm-hmm. that teams have been using because Me that too. is the – that is the one thing that that Trevor Harris will not be doing, not regularly. And I, I no. think it does add a nice little wrinkle. And it's something I didn't really consider. Like I think we all sort of talked about Shea Patterson in sort of a short yardage role. But I was yeah. also like, well, like Mason Finer, Jake Dalagala could do that too. But to bring in sort of the wrinkle every once in a while is Shea Patterson on a run play on a first down or something as a quarterback who actually has the ability to throw the football a little bit every once in a while is, is a fun little wrinkle for sure. Well, and and you look at, and let's face it, you should always emulate success. Yeah. What has Winnipeg done the last three years? Mm-hmm. They've had a quarterback with a run package. Now again, disaster in the great cup, but let's face it. That was the first time that it really happened. I mean, yeah. you had Chris Streveler who found himself basically an NFL job off of that package. Right. So it's a wrinkle that I think more teams are using and mm-hmm. should be duplicating. Right. If well, anything, just yeah. just to give your quarterback a, a breather, you mm-hmm. ch- like you like you were saying, you mowed the lawn in plus thirty. You know, try playing professional football in plus thirty. Sometimes mm-hmm. just saying, okay, hey, we're gonna let the young kid go out and run and, and run his ass off for a few plays here, get us some yards, and then let you go back in, have a drink of water, sit down, we're good. Right? Like, yep. And I think it's also, I think it's also an example of some things we've heard from Kelly Jeffrey in the off season about building his offense around the players yes. available to him, not necessarily making his players fit in his offense. And not doing the Jason Moss, doing the thing that smart coaches do and looking at what they have and building around that. Mm-hmm. Um, another, I guess, the sort of other topic of conversation off the, the cuts at the end, this will be, there's not much, too much to say here, was the fact that they didn't keep any of the running backs that they brought in. Right. There was no running backs on the practice roster, which I guess get can seem weird, but I mean... They expect Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hickson to be good, and they should. And yes, odds are because they are running backs and they take a lot of punishment. One or maybe both of them will get hurt at some point. But you know what? It's really not that hard to find running backs, and I bet all the guys that they cut will probably be pretty quickly on speed dial should something happen. No, you're you're absolutely right on that. Is the it is the American running back in the CFL is the most replacement level position you can find anywhere. Yeah, I just I don't think something like that is really worth a practice roster spot. Like, I don't no. really think for either guy, there's a lot to be gained because, A, okay, it's like, well, do you a favor and we'll just cut you. So you, your film's out there. You know, a guy like B.J. Emmons, for example, look pretty good. Maybe he gets on somewhere else to something happen. And right. there isn't really a ton for him probably to learn at this point from what no. he needs needed out of his position. It's like, hey, you can go somewhere else, or if something happens here, we'll, you'll be our first call kind of thing. Right, and and realistically, the only time you're that they could really find themselves in trouble is knock on wood. Uh, I know the power of my predictions, and curses, and words <laughs> that come out of my mouth. Is if 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 Hickson and Morrow both went down for an extended period of time, basically in the same game. Yeah, so you got to think if one goes down, you're gonna put somebody on the you're gonna put somebody on the six game. Uh, you're gonna go out get a body. They're gonna work with the other starting running back and go from there. So again, uh, yeah, knock on wood. And uh, for the record, I do have an actual wood desk where I record, so it's not like this is like some cheap IKEA shit. No. So of course the season does start on Sunday. Uh, the Riders are in Edmonton at Commonwealth taking on the Elks. And so, of course, we'd be foolish not to sort of talk a little bit about the season ahead. 
And I think sort of the best way to do this is through uh, sort of some lines, some odds. Yes. Um, I'm not necessarily a gambler. I know you are, John. But I think Woo-hoo. I think I think sort of the season win total is a good way to sort of gauge expectations of a team without actually you know necessarily having to gamble, right? Well, and it's and it's not a complicated no. like I know people that if you want to get into sports gambling can be pretty intimidating. See, like plus sixteen hundred, plus yeah. eighteen eight hundred. These numbers don't make sense. It's pretty easy to go. Are they going to win more than X games in a year? It's a pretty easy bet. It's a good entry level bet. And and like you said, it's a good one that I always say the guys in Vegas know way more than I do. So uh, it's kind of a good. I've heard from some CFL gamblers over the years that the lines aren't quite as razor as we should say as we they say they are in like the NFL. Like the information that the that these sort of companies have isn't quite as strong in the CFL. So. If you are an avid CFL follower, you can. There's money to be made if you put it in the right spots. Well, especially I know I did. Uh, I did daily fantasy with DraftKings and stuff like that for a while. CFL was yeah. just, yeah, it was, it was great. I made, I made some dough off of that. Um, yeah, there's, there's gray areas in my contracts yeah. with the National Lacrosse League. Uh, no, although no, sorry, that just got clarified. I can, I can bet on anything except the NLL and PLL. That mm. finally got clarified for me. So, all right, let's go deposit some money into the betting account. So um, you can go head to 3downnation.com. Uh, we sort of have a section along the top where you can click and check on uh, CFL lines through a number of different books, if that's sort of what you're into. Uh, the one thing, I guess, that uh, we've kind of been talking about across the site, there's been a number of articles published from different teams, and they talked about it, I know, on the 3 Down Nation podcast with John Hodge and JC Abbott last week. Uh, various win lines for teams. Uh, the Riders at DraftKings are set at 7.5 wins. For the season is sort of the line. Of course, they had six wins last year. Um, so for to be you know, to kind of roll back through and be completely honest with you, um, there was a time I wasn't entirely sure. I felt that the Riders were either going to probably win, say, ten to twelve games and be very successful, or they were going to win like four. So, I mean, that doesn't really help you if you're trying to consider where you think they're going to come on this line because it's like, okay, they're either going to obliterate the line one way or the other. I just don't know which way it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of come around a little bit now, and it's a little bit based not necessarily on the fact that they won in the preseason, just more so what I saw out of them in the preseason. And, of course, to again, to be taken with a grain of salt because they pretty much play backups in both games. But I don't think 8-10 to wins are the question for this team. And I would think, I think they could possibly be hosting the West Semi, but they could very well also be third in the West Semifinal. So in that scenario, yeah, that's probably about eight to ten wins, which to me puts them in the over. No, I I would agree. And if you do want to, if you do want to go local, uh, playnow.com uh, is where you head. They'll check your location uh, based on where you log in, or if you're on your phone, you'll have to turn in your location services. So uh, playnow.com, same thing, over seven point five. Uh, for regular season wins. I'm with you on that gas. Like pre preseason, uh, say that three times fast. I'm with you. Uh, to me, it was a coin Take flip, but practice squad. Right. Exactly. But it's funny. Your better odds right now are actually like your odds that pay better mm-hmm. are at over seven and a half. And again, small sample size, but I, I think I think that's going to be a pretty good value bet. Like, I think if you take that, you should be able to, you know, make a couple bucks. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, bet your life savings on it, but I know I'm currently in the process of making a deposit to my account. And, uh, you know, I'm going to throw that down on the uh, on, on the riders on the over seven and a half because uh, you and I were talking in our preamble. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get into our spicy season takes, but 
I, I think the riders got better. I, I still think that they may have had the best off season out of any CFL team. Yep. Um, and I don't see anybody else in the West getting better. I, I, I think yep, you'll see fair. growth out of, I think you'll see growth out of Edmonton. I think Edmonton will be better, but to me, like you're going from Nathan Rourke and several pieces in BC to no more Nathan Rourke. Uh, Vernon Adams looking like a hero one week and not like the other. Winnipeg, everybody's gotten a year older. Uh, they do have Sergio now, so that is obviously going to help because mm-hmm. that was the problem. If you listen to this podcast, so um, those like like you said before before we start recording, those wins got to come. They got to go someplace. Yeah, why like, not to an improved rider team? Yeah, I, I I know there's. I feel like there's a little bit more optimism about this team outside of Saskatchewan than there is in it currently, and I think I can understand that. Like, there's a obviously a very sour taste still on the way things went last year. And when you bring back sort of the same regime that was in charge of that, um, you know, sort of that debacle, it's difficult to get fully on board until you start to see it. And right. so like, I, I don't blame anyone for thinking they're going to be poor this year. They very, like things very well could go sideways and they could be bad again. Like there's, there's no question about that. Nothing's guaranteed in this sport, but I am weirdly optimistic about their chances this year. I don't know if they're necessarily Grey Cup contenders, but I think they should be good enough to the point that they may save the jobs of Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. Yes, certainly. And I, I and we were talking about this in the preamble. Um, it, it's just it's it's it it feels like because last last year I felt good about them too, mm. and shit just went downhill so quickly that I almost like I'm almost like. I almost don't want to say that they're going to be good. Yeah. And I'm sure that with the Fraser curse, nobody wants me to say that they're going to be good. But I see a home playoff game. I, I think it's possible, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's far more possible, you know, today than obviously it was when, you know, things came back. And you mentioned, yeah, yeah the regime's the same. But is it just me <laughs> or does Craig Dickinson not seem like a more mature, complete coach now? I think so. I, I think he's learned a lot from the last couple of years. Yeah, so I think you've got your regime's the cha- same, but Dickinson with a more mature approach. You've got Trevor Harris there. You've got distraction guys like Duke Williams are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Marino's gone, and I just I it feels to me like this team is not going to put up with that shit this year. Yeah, like if somebody goes, if somebody does what Duke or Garrett did last year, they're going to be out the door. Like here's your suitcases, find your own Wayne Hoban from wherever we're playing. So, um. I definitely go over, even though um, I think it's the football gods that are making my phone like just it literally like started flashing as it tried to deposit money into my Play Now account. Um, yeah, that's cursed. Okay, I'm gonna put my phone down now. Um, so maybe it's the football gods telling me not to put uh, put money on the Riders over seven and a half. But I, I would recommend you do that. Yeah, because and like I think overall, I think expectations around this team will be fairly low. And there's one thing I've always believed that is like tried and true in the CFL, and that's that you can always depend on one team to be better than expectations and one yep. team to be much worse. Yes. And I think it's I think it's I think it's possible that the Riders could be that better than expected team. Edmonton certainly in that category. Ottawa's probably in that category. In theory, Montreal's in that category. Though I don't know if that one will really follow through no i i don't see that one working out <laughs> no. like like uh, uh, and again this is i'm sure that we can make fun of this take when it you know goes absolutely sideways mm-hmm. um but 
I just don't see a situation where Montreal's good this year. No, like, I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be okay. But yeah, I, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. Right. Like I, I think that's the one consensus team that people are going. Okay. Yeah. There's no real chance that you know this is going to be a thing that happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so John and I are both relatively high on the Riders this year. Yeah. Um. One and so the question is then, okay, if they're going to win, let's say eight to ten, where does it come from? Obviously, Winnipeg is not going to win fifteen games again, all no. in all likelihood. No. Um, Edmonton may pick up a few more, so there goes that. I think it's more than a few. Yeah. I I really and 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 well, I mean, they basically won all the road games last year, so they don't need to win that many at home to be a playoff team. Quite right, frankly. like win two at home, and all of a sudden you're a playoff team, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and I'm really high. And as listeners of this podcast are going to know, I'm really high on Taylor Cornelius. Mm-hmm. I know you are. I think he, he's like six foot seven, throws just an amazing low effort, but like the velocity he gets, like watch his throwing motion. Like he just flicks his wrist and that thing's just a bullet coming out. Like, and, and we all know that, that a first year of a Chris Jones team is a training camp. Yeah. And although he didn't make the splashes like he traditionally does in year two and get those big pieces and maybe cause he's got a reputation to be the scumbag now, but I, I and and you know anybody that cuts Sergio is a hundred percent in my scumbag category now. All of the other things aside, but I think Edmonton is the team that makes the jump. Yeah, which you know I, I think BC falls back. I think them trading Cabongo. When do you ever see a good team make a move like that? Basically, three days before your season starts. Well, not one filled with as much drama as that one has followed here. Right, and and like and to let. To let the he said he said bullshit come out, mm-hmm. like that. Good teams don't let that happen. When they let go of a guy because of stuff in the room, he's it, it, it stays quiet. But they come out and basically say uh, he was a cancer. Uh, no, I was just challenging guys to work out. Like that's not a good look. That's not a no. team that's cohesive it together. So to me, I've got BC falling off the map and falling out of the playoffs. I, th- I think it's possible. I think they'll find a way in. I'm not convinced Edmonton's quite a playoff team yet. I don't. I don't think Jones has made quite the sort of year two build. As they will definitely be competitive. They will be better. They will win more games. But unless there's a crossover, which I'm not convinced there will be this year, because I think these has the potential to have three good teams, and plus with fewer cross division games the records tend to even out a little bit in that regard. So you probably got to win like eight or nine games to get to a crossover spot, which seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think, and I think, and I know there's, they're fairly high in the three donation power rankings this week. And there's still a number of like, pretty much everyone at the site still seems to believe in them to a degree, at least being a solid regular season team. That's the Calgary Stampeders. Mm. Now this is, I've been waiting for this Tad. This is a good, this is a, <clears throat> A good take from you. For me, I'm not convinced they're two-dimensional enough on offense to actually be significantly good. They may end up being a team that, as like John Hodges said on the Three Down Nation podcast, maybe they're still a solid regular season team. They finish second, third in the West. They win their obligatory 8-10 to games, but they're not going much further than that. They haven't won a playoff game since 2018. Um, Pro Football Focus has Jake Mayer as the worst-ranked quarterback out of the nine starters the, the nine projected starters right now and 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 again that's 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 an organization like i get like i, I make jokes that vegas knows more than we do uh pff 
absolutely knows more than we do. So to me, that was you had been floating this idea to me before PFF came out, but yeah. I'm like, I'm more in your corner now. The PFF came out and said, yeah, we don't think that that uh, Jake Mayer is going to be any good. Yeah. So they cut Derek Dennis and cuts. Um, I'm not a Jake Mayer believer. I'm not convinced they could pass to win a game when they need to, and I think the rest of the league may think the same. Kadeem Carey may be the best running back in the league. They may have the best running back in the the best running game in the league, but I'm not convinced in 2023 that's going to get you very far. And I could very well see a world where the Calgary Stampeders do not make the playoffs in 2023. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough to argue. Uh, Winnipeg is is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Winnipeg will be there. Uh, we. I think Edmonton will be in the mix. I think BC, even though I think they'll fall back, should be in the mix. But yeah, Calgary. And it just, it feels... It feels so, like the things are starting to align. Like, for a while there, like, I know Ryan Valentine's line is they don't rebuild, they, re-relo- they reload. But at a certain point, you don't hit on all your Americans that come in, your new Americans. And at a certain point, the talent that you lose just does eventually catch up to you. And I... I I feel like the slide is kind of here finally for them. I very well could be wrong, and it could be foolish of me to say this out loud, especially at this point in the year. But (laughs) it just doesn't. I'm just not optimistic about the Calgary Stampeders this year. Now watch the West Final be Calgary hosting BC. 